You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is super exciting. I have a guest that I've been connected to on LinkedIn and following his work for some time. And now is the perfect time to get him on the show. Author of a new book called Create Togetherness, which we're going to dive into. International keynote speaker and a business consultant, CEO of JD2 Consulting, Mr. Jeff Davis. How are you doing today, sir? Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And there's so many more things, Jeff. I mean, there's a you've got a podcast that you're running. You're working with some of the top clients on the leadership level. I cannot wait to dive in because from a sales development perspective, I mean, we are right in the you know crosshairs of alignment. And you've written this amazing book, you know, diving into it as an expert. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And let's dive in. This book is a labor of love. This is something you've been working on for a long time. How did you come up with this? And you know what made you want to dive into this topic? Yeah, to be really transparent, I wrote the book out of frustration. I truly have a passion for sales and marketing. I always joke with people, I say I'm a marketer with the soul of a salesperson. I started my career in sales. And I always, it really bothered me that we didn't get each other. And I didn't really understand that until, be, until I became a marketer of like the missed opportunities that happen when we just don't understand how to work together. And so what, you know, through my client engagements and speaking and talking to practitioners and, you know, the podcast, thealignmentpodcast.com, all those conversations, I have gotten so many new experiences and perspectives in, and I wanted to put that all into a document or some type of form so that people could have it all in one place, right? To make it easier for sales and marketing leaders to sit down at the table and say, like, how do we actually attack this? Because there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of variables, and a lot of different things to really truly effectively transform the organization into being more aligned between sales and marketing. It, it's not something that happens over a couple of days or weeks. This is a true transformation of the business. So I wrote the book, to be honest with you, to be a strategic roadmap for that sales and marketing leader that, are, that, that sit down at the table and say, hey, we want to do this differently. We want to do this together. How do we start? And that really is the reason that I wrote the book. Okay. So we, this is, you could take this and sit down. It's a strategic roadmap. So you can take this and go, okay, I, I agree. The alignment is not working well at my company. I want to be a leader in this. Jeff wrote this book. I can sit down and, and look at this from a strategic perspective and implement this in my company. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And so really the use case is for that head of sales, head of marketing to, you know, read it on their own because it helps you self-diagnose like, you know, really 
is sales and marketing misalignment an issue? It's it's in stereotypically issue for all companies at some degree, but is it such an issue that it really is an impediment to you successfully achieving and hitting your revenue goals? And then really that sales and marketing leader sitting down and having a robust conversation about what is what is the reality of the business and then also being able to present this to the CEO. Because at the end of the day, before you start any alignment transformation in the organization, the CEO has to sponsor it, period, point blank in the story. And I talk about it you know, in the book that if you are in a company where you're trying to do this from the ground roots only, it will be short-lived if it will work at all. And you have to really communicate clearly the business case to the CEO of why we should be bubbling this up to the top because at the end of the day, alignment really truly has become a strategic advantage. Okay. And and so is that why you see out there there's a there's a tremendous amount of misalignment between these two departments? Because if it doesn't come from the top down, it seems like like you said, it can kind of die on the vine. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that go into that. One of them is you definitely need the CEO to to be the face and the voice of alignment, because especially as you get into large organizations, you're just going to have, you know, and and let me just say it, say it, what it is, is that you're going to have middle managers that have been in their roles for quite some time and have considered themselves to be successful and rightly so say, I don't want to change. This is how I've done it. This is, it's always worked this way. Why should I change? And you as a counterpart or a subordinate, trying to convince them that this is the way the business is going. You just don't have enough influence and leverage. And if you don't have that backing of the CEO, the reality thing is we can't move the Titanic. We'll just row in, you know, single, single oars, right? We need the leadership to say, we have, you know, drawn a line in the sand. We have said that this is something that's important to the business. It's a part of our strategic business initiatives and that we are going to focus on strategically aligning sales and marketing. And this is the way that we're, this is the way that the world is going to be now. And if you're not okay with that, that's great. You may not want to be a part of this organization anymore. Got it. Okay. So if someone is listening to this, they're like, okay, I've identified that we have misalignment. I'm ready to stick my neck out kind of, I mean, you kind of have to, right. And, And take this up to the CEO. What are some of the things that they should do, you know, to, to get that ball rolling. Yeah, sure. So beyond obviously giving them the book. Right. <laughs> right. A great Christmas gift. <laughs> For the whole family. Everybody's whole concerned family. about alignment. And the CEO and everybody in the C-suite. <laughs> Buy it now, amazon.com or createtogethernessbook.com. There you go. That is not a shameless plug at all. <laughs> createtogethernessbook.com. All joking aside, but no, seriously, it's really about sharing the business case before the CEO. So we have to talk in terms of the CEO, right? We just can't go in and talk about sales and marketing should get along and hold hands and have more meetings. Like the CEO doesn't care. At the end of the day, you have to make the conversation about revenue. And what we know overwhelmingly at this point, that revenue is significantly impacted by the degree in which you are aligned across sales and marketing. Year over year, we've had examples. CSO Insights is a perfect example that sales reps are not hitting quota. When they started tracking back in 2014, it was 63%. Now we're at 54.3. It continually drops year over year. So I argue that we, you know, we have more technology, we're hiring more reps, we're doing more and more and more, but we're continually not being able to hit quota. That means that the volume play and the volume approach is not working. We're going to have to start looking at efficiencies and effectiveness and productivity in helping people get better at selling and marketing because the reality of things is that the, the relationship between the modern buyer and seller has completely changed. And that's what most companies are not addressing. And so when you get it right, Aberdeen, amongst other folks, has some really compelling data as well 
they show in a, a numerous amount of metrics that are directly tied to year-over-year revenue growth, aligned companies significantly outperform their unaligned or misaligned counterparts. So that's why when you go to the CEO, we need to start having those conversations about if we don't move the needle in the alignment between these two teams, here is what the cost of inaction is. We're going to continue not to be able to hit quota. We're going to continue to you know, lose to our competitors that are doing it differently. And we're at a stage now that we have the opportunity to start addressing how we should be interacting with the modern buyer. The longer we wait, the harder it's going to be able to, get, to catch up. And I, I share that this is accelerating. As we get more technology and the modern buyer starts to you know, get even more savvy, it's going to get harder and harder and you're going to be playing defense against your competitors. Big time. And so challenges wise in having this conversation, you, you mentioned one is, hey, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. It's working for me. I've got my Rolex over here. I got my, you know, I got my, what are those Mercedes? Those really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, Jeff. So why should I? Why should I stick my neck out here? So there's a couple of different answers there. And to be honest with you, if, you know, I always look at misalignment as a cancer. Misalignment, it really eats at the core of your business because it, what it really does is it, it sucks your effectiveness, efficiency, and productivity. And many times you don't feel it until it's too late and you have to completely turn left in order to to be able to avoid disaster, right? And so for a lot of people, they're like, oh, this misalignment issue, oh, it's kind of a thing. Maybe it's not a thing. It really is, you know, a silent killer to the business. And so what I think that a lot of people in the B2B space have not really 100% recognized is that we truly are in the middle of a seismic shift in the way that we do business in B2B. There's no, there's no way around it. Like any other in- industry has been disruptive, whether it be you know, car buying, whether it be SaaS software, whatever it, whatever it be, we are in the middle of that. And I don't think that we have fully internalized that the modern buyer-seller relationship really has been disrupted and really has led to basically information inequality. And that's not necessarily a new phenomenon, like we've always had that. But we, the seller, have always been the guardian of that information and been able to use that to basically control the relationship. Well, that is completely gone and done and over. And so we are now at the mercy of the the buyer and they really are driving the bus and telling them like, look, I'm having these amazing experiences in the, on the B2C side of the house, outside the office. I'm starting to expect that from you. So if you don't do that, I'm going to take my money and take my budget of dollars and give them to somebody else. Got it. Okay. So let me ask you, should, you know, the structure of these departments be, you know, reformatted? In other words, we set up sales and marketing and product development in these silos like a long time ago to support an industrial factory, you know, type of economy. But now things have changed so much. I mean, you know, we are used to the B2C buying cycle and now we are we want that in the B2B. Should we change the structure of the companies and and stuff like that? Or is that too radical right now? I don't think it's too radical, but I'm all I'm always cautious to say a direct yes or no to that because I think it is I think it does matter on the industry that you serve and the company structure. I will say this. I don't necessarily think that you know silos are a hundred percent bad. There, there are benefits to being within a group where you have a functional expertise and that you 
are around counterparts that can help you really hone in and become better at what you do, right? I don't believe that salespeople should become marketers and I don't believe that marketers should become salespeople. They have two really interdependent skill sets, but there is so much to learn to be an effective marketer by itself in 2020 and beyond. And the same thing on the sales side of the house, to muddy the waters and say you have to be an amazing digitally focused salesperson, plus you need to be a marketer, I think is really not fair and nor is it the mo- the best approach. However, I lean on leadership to say, if we, if we keep these silos, which is completely fine, we have to aerate them so that there is information flow across the aisles. And that's a leadership thing, right? We need to be meeting frequently. We need to make sure that we have aligned goals. We have a, a, a vision for what we're trying to do and that we are continuing to promote this cross-functional collaboration at all points. Because at the end of the day, if we're not operating as one system, one revenue generating system, then you really, at the end of the day, are shooting yourself in the foot. 100%. I, I mean, and so if we're going into SKO season, right, and we're going to have a lot of the key players in the same room. So say they, they get the book, they read it, they're like, okay, we were bought in, Jeff, like we want to get this going. Like how, how could they potentially use that SKO time to kick off something? Yeah. I mean, I, I recently had Tony Hughes on the podcast and we were talking about this and I, I love what he said is that the, the, the sales kickoff meeting really should be about empowering salespeople to be able to perform at their best. Right. And so, you know, why I always advocate for marketing being in the room, and I'm, I'm hoping that be, is becoming more common. I think that it is, is that as a salesperson, I want to know what is marketing doing to support what I need? You know, this is the time for marketing to really get up on stage and sell themselves to sales, to sell, you know, to say, like, look, this is what we're seeing in the market. This is what we're doing for you. You know, let us know what else you need. You know, I suggest them as they do breakouts to, you know, go to those individual teams and ask questions about that region or that team. What do they need? Listen to, you know, them as they do workshops or whatever they're doing so that you can hear the language that they're using, give your input, give your feedback of what you're hearing, and then, you know, really show that you're invested in the, the selling process as well as a marketer. That's when salespeople will you know, gain respect for you. They will start to trust you because you're not just on stage for a company-wide meeting talking about what you did and how you've performed all of these amazing things. You are coming to the sales kickoff meeting to say our work and our success is dependent on you being able to sexually close business. And this, these are the things that we feel that we can do to contribute, contribute to you being successful this year. And, and that really is, in my mind, the best way to leverage a SKO or a sales kickoff meeting. Got it. Got it. And what should the marketers expect from sales, you know, on the flip side? You know, when I, when I used to go to sales kickoff as the marketing leader, I a lot, did a lot of listening and was really there to, to get feedback on what they thought. Because, you know, for many times, this was the first time on this, for the sales reps to see a lot of strategy. You know, stereotypically, the market, I'm sorry, the sales leadership had had some kind of preview or kind of knew what was coming. But for the sales reps, a lot of times this was completely new. And I wanted to hear what they thought. Not only did I want to get, you know, feedback on, you know, did they think this was, you know, the right way to go and how would they implement this, but also to see were they sold on the strategy. Because if I got a lot of pushback on, we don't think that's going to work or that, you know, da 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 we might need to do some more and better selling to the sales reps, right? Because the strategy could be great, but if they're not convinced that it's, you know, what they A should be doing or B want to do or know how to do, there's still an opportunity there to get better. 
and making sure that, that the sales team understands what the marketing team is going to accomplish. So I would encourage marketing leaders to not go there and just tout what they've been doing, but to really sell the work that they've done and also do a lot of listening and then reporting back to say, we heard you at the sales kickoff meeting. Here are some of the things that we took back, et cetera, et cetera. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Yeah, because you, you got that classic situation, and this is something that you're trying to address really with your work and, and with Create Togetherness is the classic situation is like the sales team is over going, ah, I never get any leads and marketing sucks. And, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're just before. creating all these pens and, you know, all these swag and, and they're not getting me anything. And then the marketers are like, dude, we just spent like a hundred thousand dollars on a booth to go to Dreamforce and you guys didn't call any of the leads. You know, that is, that's where you're coming in with this thing. Do you know how many people I've worked with that, you know, sales knows that, to your point that we spent X amount of dollars on a, on a booth and there's never a readout or a report to the success of that particular event ever. Yes. And so it all goes into a black hole and I'm looking at the marketing team and leadership. I said, you need to read out to the salespeople what was the output or outcome of that particular event or trade show or whatever it is to say, hey, you know, this was a great investment. We, you know, we delivered to you, you know, 2,500 leads of those eight, I don't know, I'm making up numbers, 8% converted to uh, generated pipeline. That's the type of information that actually sales reps want to know because it gives them a dotted line between what marketing is doing and how it directly impacts them. And there's this assumption on the marketing side of the house that those are marketing metrics and data and that salespeople don't care about that type of information. And I would actually argue the exact opposite when you're able to share those things and, and tie it directly to either pipeline or how they have been able to hit quota, that is how you build a better relationship and show that marketing is not just here updating a website or creating sales collateral, but we are doing activities and campaigns that are directly impacting your ability to close business. I love it. And, and you mentioned metrics. So, you know, what are the metrics that people have been using as far as MQLs, SQLs, like all, all that? Is that still relevant now or should we be using a co totally different group to metrics to manage something like this? Yeah. So I keep hearing this back and forth about killing the MQL. I, I'm on the fence and I, I get the rationale. I totally do. I'm on the fence. I think what the more important thing for me is looking at the overall revenue engine, the, the, the sales and marketing system and seeing, are we able to efficiently and effectively generate new business? And so you can't have that visibility if you're operating solely from a data standpoint in a silo. Right. So I, I kind of liken it to, you know, on the sales side of the house, you trying to operate a really complex system, but you have your hand over one of your eyes. Right. You lose depth perception. You don't see the nuance. It's only when sales and marketing leaders sit down and understand complete pipeline, everything from that first touch of a marketing piece of collateral or event or whatever it may be all the way to close that we can start focusing on optimization. And, and that's what's the most important to me. You know, I want to look at things like, you know, overall end-to-end -end conversion. I want to look at, you know, average sales cycle, things like that, that, that both of the teams contribute to. I think beyond, obviously, the number one metric being percent to revenue or percent to goal, I want to start looking at those cross-functional metrics to, to make sure that we are selling in an efficient way, in an effective way, because just generating revenue without looking at 
are we getting more efficient and effective at it, I think misses half of the equation. So it's the overall revenue system from where they find out about you to they close the deal and 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 you want to see that whole thing because I think that's that's the main kind of complaint from the sales side. It's like, oh, they're they're up there at the SKO. The marketing team is saying, hey, we got 2000 MQLs this year. And they're just going, dude, that's a bunch of crap. Like, you know, it's it's a it's a vanity metric. Like, what does it even mean? So what you're saying is you got to double click on that and really be able to see the whole picture before you just laser in on one of those metrics. Yeah, because if you just report out an MQL metric, like there's no context to a salesperson what that means. And so it's not until you're able to actually understand what it takes to produce an actual new deal on average, right? And then you can say, here's, you know, here's our revenue target. This is, you know, how many deals that represents at the end of the quarter year. And then you back into that means we need this number of sales qualified leads. That means we need this number of MQLs and you back into it and to understand what that means. And that's a better way to do it is to back into those metrics instead of sales, you know, creating their own targets and then marketing, creating their own target silos and not having any interdependency on what those targets are because it's a, a, a very different conversation if I get up at SKO and say, you know, we generated 4,000 MQLs and at the end of the, end of the day, that produced $250,000 worth of pipeline, right? right. It's yep. a very different conversation. Not only are our marketing say, oh, our salespeople saying, I can see how you're contributing to pipeline, but you also start to, you know, demonstrate marketing's ROI and that you are actually having a direct impact on pipeline and them closing deals. And that's really ultimately where you want to go to. And so it's important that you make that leap and not just report an MQL number, because to be honest with you, that means nothing to a salesperson. 100%. Okay. So just to confuse the situation even more now, so say you're, <laughs> you're going into a company and you know they're interested in what you're doing, but they're not aligned yet. And now they've got a sales development team. So now there's another complexity layered on this situation where there's all these people that are supposed to do something with the leads and set appointments for the sales team. Where does the sales development department fit into this whole thing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And, and, I, and I won't pretend that I'm an expert SDR in the marketplace. But, you know, again, the SDR is extension of the sales team. And really what we've got to do, you know, period on the sales side of the house is we have to sell to the modern buyer in a modern way. And so instead of trying to push our product or service on them, it's about uncovering need and, and really acting as a consultant. And so in the book, I talk about really the fact that most buyers coming to you don't really know what they need. They will tell you, this is what I need. But you know, a lot of times it's just symptoms. And so I think the quicker and faster we can, you know, on the sales side of the house, even, at, even as early as that the BDR stage, really start to help them gain clarity on what their true business issue is, I think that we will be able to gain trust much faster and actually speed up the process because we'll say, okay, that's great. You know, stereotypically, when companies come to us and they have these sort of issues, we found that this is the, the root cause of that issue. And then, you know, we think that these, these solutions are the best match based on what, you know, we're hearing you say, but they really want that, that strategic business advisor to become a part of their buying committee, right? And to help them actually reach consensus. So I think you can do that in some type of form, even as early as the BDR role to not just assume that they know what they need, but to really take a couple beats and say, you know, let's really diagnose what's going on here. And let me help you understand what your true issue is. 
Got it. Okay. And so in your view, do you think that the BDR team should report to sales or marketing? So I'm going to give the exact same answer that Trish Pertuzzi gave on my podcast, thealignmentpodcast.com. And <laughs> what not is my it? words. The alignment podcast. Got that, folks? Okay, good. The alignment podcast.com. This is, these it. are my words, Trish Pertuzzi, Trish Pertuzzi, I should say. And I do agree with her. She said, I don't care. She said, whoever basically has the time, energy, and the expertise to coach and support the team, that's who should be in charge of it. What I'll add to that is I do think that it depends on what the majority of their activities are, whether it be inbound or outbound. I think that is also an indicator of where, where they support to. But I do, you know, and I say that because when she said it, I actually really, really laughed and I said, oh, okay, I kind of get it. So I want to share it. But I do think it's, it's true. But I do think the activity, the majority of the activities, mostly inbound team, they probably should sit under marketing. And it's mostly outbound team, they probably should sit under sales. Got it. Okay. And so should they come to the SKO too, the BDRs? If they are a part of the customer experience, which they are, they should be there. Got it. Okay. And then you can, how do you work with SKO? So you can, everybody gets the book. Everybody orders the book in bulk from you. And then you go out and, and do you have a set? program that that you run everybody through or is it more of like educating them on what this whole thing is yeah so i customize all my interactions to the client what they need stereotypically i'm brought in as the opening keynote to really set the tone for you know we are going to work together in a different was i should say sales and marketing are going to work together in a different way in 2020 and to really help them understand why that is what that looks like and what they can expect from the organization and then depending on what the what the client needs, I can do breakout sessions with leadership and really go into deeper dive into the elements from the book that, you know, depending on what they need, whether that be really talking about the three pillars of alignment, transformation, data, process, communication, and giving them an overview of that, or doing a little bit deeper dive workshop, depending on timing, or we can really have discussions on how do we, you know, set some really appropriate strategies around how we're going to change the way that we look at data. So it's really, again, always up to the client, but that definitely the opening keynote, I think, really sets the stage for people, you know, across sales and marketing to understand that we're one team, one revenue generating team, and that we need to start acting as such. And what I really focus on beyond just, you know, stats and processes and all those things that need to happen is the reason that this relationship has been so dysfunctional for so long. And when I say dysfunction, I don't mean that sales and marketing are fighting and brawling in the hallway and, and threatening each other. Because as when you hear dysfunctional, that's what you think. When I say dysfunctional, I mean that we aren't able to appropriately leverage each other's strengths and natural abilities in a way that helps us accomplish our goals in a more effective way. That's what I mean by dysfunctional. And so the reason that we continue to operate like this is that we just don't know each other. And so I focus on that sales marketing relationship because what I say is when you understand what a marketer or what a salesperson does and how you can leverage them, it completely changes the relationship and makes it much easier to build a system and build a team that's all focused and all moving in the, the same direction. That's really interesting because to some extent, it's like, come on, people, we got it. Let's grow up here. I mean, really, like we're all, we need to all row in the same direction because the more, at the end of the day, the more revenue that we bring into the company is job security. We're all going to be better. We're, you know, and, and it's like, stop, you know, complaining about, different things. Come on. But anyways. Yeah, <laughs> no. And, and I hear you and and I I'm really compassionate because I realized that for a lot of people they have never known 
sales and marketing to operate any differently. Most of us haven't, right? Like we've been like this for so long that people have come to assume like this is just the way it's supposed to be. And so, you know, I don't get upset with people because I understand, you know, most prime example I'll share with you. I was at a conference a couple years ago, keynoting. I got off the stage. The sales leader ran up to me and he said like, you know, I really appreciate you for opening my eyes on the fact that I should be interacting with my marketing counterpart in a different way. He said, you know, we have, a, we have a good relationship, you know, we're cordial, we don't have no issues, but I just don't know how to work with them. I've been a sales guy all my life and I wouldn't know the first thing to ask them what to do. And I think that's what's happening. We, we have forgotten that we don't really know each other. The average salesperson, if you ask them what marketing does, they would look at you with a blank stare and probably say something that was completely off base. Right. And right. vice versa. Totally. It's a completely different job. I mean, it's completely a different, different job. And I, I like what you said about, you know, it, it's not that marketers have to become salespeople. It's not that salespeople have to become marketers. The silos have a value because you want to build this expertise. But what you, I like the word you said is aerate the silos, <laughs> you know, and it, through that understanding. And so you, you can actually facilitate this in the SKOs through the, the, the work that you do in keynote speaking. 100%. And, and, and I was really thoughtful. And my, my editor probably wanted to like literally throw me off the building. <laughs> but I was really thoughtful about the subtitle because there really are two transformations that we need to be doing simultaneously. Is that not only do we have to transform the relationship between sales and marketing and become more aligned, but for most companies, we have to learn how to sell and market in a way that connects with the modern buyer. We have to transform our own, you know, our own function, right? We can't market like we marketed, you know, five, 10 years ago. It's not relevant and it doesn't connect. And we also can't sell like we did five or 10 years ago. So there's two, there's two things happening at the same time, which I think makes it complicated and, 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 and maybe a little frustrating for companies. But I specifically wrote the subtitle as transform sales and marketing in order to be able to to have a little nuance there that not only do we have to transform our relationship and become more aligned, but we also have to change, change the way that we look at what we do. Got it. Well, Jeff, dude, I'm excited, man. 2020 is going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. This is the year of alignment. This is the year <laughs> of alignment. I mean, this is awesome, dude. And, and it's funny because yeah. 2020, this is the same number. I didn't, I just thought about that right now as we were talking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we don't know what's coming up ahead in the economy. And it's like, we've got to, this is kind of a jalopy mess at a lot of companies. I mean, they need to really tighten up on the alignment here. And the book is just at the perfect timing. We're going into SKO season. You know, how, how do we get the book? How do people get in touch with you so they can get you to come to their SKO? Absolutely. So best way to purchase the book is go to createtogethernessbook.com. You've got all the details and be able to purchase there. Also, my website is meetjeffdavis.com. You can find more information about keynoting and executive workshops and also consulting engagements if that is appropriate. I also encourage folks to subscribe and, and tune into my podcast, which is thealignmentpodcast.com. I'm having conversations with leading voices in sales, marketing, leadership, and then one area I call human collaboration. So these are neuroscientists and psychologists all focused on talking about how we strategically align these two teams in order to move the conversation forward. So any B2B revenue leaders that are struggling with aligning their teams that just want to hear several different perspectives, I encourage you to tune into the show. It's a great show. 
with a lot of different folks that are, you know, in business, outside of business, just trying to have a holistic conversation. So that's thealignmentpodcast.com, meetjeffdavis.com, and then last but not least, createtogethernessbook.com. So, and then obviously LinkedIn, which is where you, where you found me. Yeah, yeah. We'll get all those links into the show notes. And Jeff, this has been very enlightening. I'm excited to dive in. And thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.